Hello and welcome to the Dialogue Box. This is Gwen Frey and Chris Lake still cannot join us yet this week. He will be back very soon. He's still in transit to the UK. So as a special guest today, I have William Cheer from Manifold Garden. Hello, everyone. Hey, it's good to have you back. It's been, oh God, last time we spoke, it, it hasn't been a year yet. I think it's been like six or seven months. Trying to think where you were last time we spoke. I mean, obviously so much has happened for you so fast. Uh, oh, I remember last time we spoke, you said you were going to be shipping in Q2 of this year. <laughs> That's but, right. Yes. <laughs> not, uh, to, not to be the one that brings that up again. But uh, I mean, I can understand why things have moved, though. Uh, you just announced Manifold Gardens coming out on the uh, Apple Arcade. Yes. And uh, also on the Epic Game Store. Yes. Two controversial news storefronts at the same time, Mr. Cheer. Congratulations, that's awesome. Yeah, I think one is more controversial than the other. But, oh, uh, which one do you think is more controversial? Probably EGS. Yeah, yeah, it's, but you know, well, this podcast goes to developers, and I think a lot more developers are more concerned with the subscription model, personally. Like I think um, gamers yeah. are more concerned with EGS, but that's um, that's a. Have you had a lot of backlash with EGS? Uh, a little bit, but overall, it it, uh, it went really well. Um, you know, we were posted in a, a few subreddit channels, but I went in and just like, I talked to everyone, um, which was, I don't recommend doing that. It's yeah, emotionally <laughs> very exhausting, but yeah, it took about a week. And I think, you know, some people will just, they're just looking to pick a fight, but most people are like, okay, you know, I'm not super happy with that, but I understand. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I would say like 90% of the people were, we're supportive that and was, happy for us. That was my <clears throat> my reaction as well. I remember I was talking to the Epic guys and they were apologizing. They're like, we know your community turned on you. And I'm like, I a, don't have a community like you do. So it's not not that big. Like, oh, yeah, my mom and dad are still on my side. But uh, the my, I didn't really get that much backlash. I had a couple of things. There's a couple of websites, but it was nothing compared to a lot of the bigger games. <clears throat> Which makes sense. I think if you read the grievances people have with the Epic Games Store, they're not really mad at indies for taking that money. Yeah, I think most of that anger maybe just comes from a place of like misinformation, you know, uh, ultimately just not really knowing how expensive game development can be. Um, yeah. Which I didn't know either until I started this project. <laughs> yeah. How. So how many years has it been now that you've been on Manifold Garden? Uh, in November, it will be seven years. Seven years. So we're at like six years, 10 months, almost almost exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but you're uh, you're closing in. Does it feel real yet? Or I mean, because it's, <laughs> I, it's got to be, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And I feel like once you've said several times, you're like, oh, I'm three months from ship. Eventually, you just, it stops being real every time you say it. Like, is it real? Do you feel that... Oh, what is it? I don't know. The butterflies in your stomach. The you're this is about to your baby's about to go out in the world. You're about to be done. Do you feel it yet? Um, I do because I'm no longer in control of the the release date. If it, <laughs> if the release date was just up to me, I'd be much more worried because you know, it my my history with setting release dates and meeting them uh, is like a hundred percent failure, right? <laughs> Um, but this time it's not up to me, it's up to Apple. 
Uh, yeah, um, I've heard Apple's amazing. <clears throat> well, I've heard mixed things about Apple. I guess you can't talk about that too much. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff under NDA. Yeah, there. Um, but yeah, that's awesome that you're on Apple Arcade. Is there? Do you have any thoughts about the platform? Was there a reason why you moved for it, or? Um, well, you know, it's pretty exciting to be to be on the launch of a new platform. I kind of thought I'd missed it. You know, I came out too late for PS4 and probably too early for PS5. Um, so it was kind of cool that that the timing just worked out, right? Like we were after we missed earlier this year, we were supposed to launch on in April, and we were totally not prepared for that. Like it was clear as we were getting ready to submit the game just wasn't <laughs> it wasn't finished um so what, we we're still missing a bunch of achievements why did you decide you should launch in april like what made you confident i mean at some point you said the date i'm launching is april like why did you choose that date what made you choose that yeah i think it was from that um this would have been maybe i had been thinking about that like last summer and at the time you know i think every spring sony does the um has like a indie promotion i forget it's like the march madness you know journey came out in that where they have a a, a one month promotion and each week a new indie game comes out um and then if you're a part of that group you end up getting promoted more because they're not just promoting the individual games they're promoting that whole thing around march so i think we were aiming for that um but it looked like we were going to miss it. And so we're like, oh, you know, we'll just follow right after. Um, but yeah, that was that was what we were thinking of. And also I, I had just been, um, you know, but at that point it was like six years and, and six and a half years You're and like, I was just ready to be done. So yeah. yeah. <clears throat> did you, um, so how did Apple Arcade come about? Were you really, really excited about the platform when you heard about it? Did they reach out to you? Yeah, I, I, we got a got an introduction, and at first, I didn't think anything would come of it. We had never considered Manifold Garden for mobile. I just didn't think that the controls would uh, uh, translate. You know, first-person yeah. game on touch controls, and I also thought we were doing just way too complicated thing. Like, uh, you know, a lot of it with the graphics and the physics, um, didn't think we could optimize it down. Uh, but but yeah, we actually pulled it off. So. Yeah, like, do you, um, I mean, was that a massive challenge? Because the game wasn't designed for mobile. Yeah, I think we had about uh, like three, four months to do that. We ended up bringing two other studios, um, which is funny enough, I was actually reading your, the thread you posted recently about the sort of new production model for indie studios, yeah. sort of bringing on um, kind of these special te teams, and that's essentially what we did. We brought on the studio Acapara. They're based out in LA, uh, and they basically helped us with all the game center integration, iCloud, kind of the the nitty gritty of getting it to work on iOS, tvOS, and macOS. So two of our own engineers, we we dropped all of the console work and just had them focus on um, on Apple Arcade stuff. And then we also brought on a studio called GameCake, which is also based out in LA. They were actually specializing in like tv smart tv games huh. uh but they just worked on the uh the ui and ux for ios so they didn't work on optimization just like 
you know, the onboarding, the tutorials, getting the, the controls to feel good. Um, and that was like, yeah, two, two and a half months of full-time work. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, yeah, no shit. I mean, adding touch controls, getting it to work on that tiny screen, getting it to feel good on that tiny screen, getting it to feel good on all the stuff in the Apple platform. That's super non-trivial. And I like that thread too that I did. I feel pretty strongly about that. Like I, I, I think it's important to be able to hire a specialist, but I don't want to like rattle on that. But yeah, I, especially for closeout, hiring a specialist that completely understands the platform, it can just like, especially because you're a Unity project, so you, they probably yeah. already knew Unity, right? Yep, yep. That, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, we, the month of the September, now we're, we're kind of winding down now, but yeah, I think at our largest, we had about 35 people working on the game. Holy shit. Um, yeah, just to just to get it through the finish line. Um, mm -hmm. But temporarily through like a contract house, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so Game Kick, Akupara, and Bill Enemy Jet, that's another studio in Australia. We actually had people working basically around the clock because there was a team in Russia, a team in uh, you know, mm -hmm. some of the devs, some of our own devs are in um, in the UK. And then we had this team in Australia. So it was like yeah, anytime you're yeah. working on localization, you end up uh, just working with a massive team. Like, there's a certain amount of lag that's inherent to localizing a game because you are working with a company, and that company may be in America, maybe not, but they're working with people who are translating from around the world, obviously, right? Because they're working with people yeah. who speak in those languages. And so it adds this lag, and it also creates this thing where, like, do, y do you have a fixed schedule, or do you end up sleeping odd hours at times? You know, I do now because... Uh just to coordinate with people in the US, right? So our, our morning check-ins are 9.30 a.m. my time. Uh, and it's just sort of easier to to have that so people know uh, what we can expect people to be around, um, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Dude, it's getting real. It's getting close. So let me, yeah. think. Let me think about Apple Arcade. So you're, this is incredible that this is your first game and that it's coming out of these two new platforms. <laughs> to um, be fair, I've, I've remade the game like 40 times. So yeah. this is really, you know. <laughs> it's really your 40th game. Well, it's the yeah. first one you're shipping. So there's that. The um, And yeah, Apple Arcade. I'm, I don't know, I'm torn. Alan brought up something that was really interesting about that platform, which is half the people on it are from kind of triple-a or pc focused and are porting their games over and half the people are kind of mobile focused um and you're definitely in the first camp right right do you think how do you think consumers will go for that like do you think people who play games on phones will be interested in manifold garden i mean i think it'll do well like i obviously the tv and the ios make sense but like I, i'm curious to see are you proud of how the game is on a phone do you think that's just as good or Yes. Yeah, we're super happy with that. Uh, and, and all of that's really, that's all thanks to GameCake. You know, I mean, when I, when we were first thinking about the controls, I don't play a lot of iOS games. Um, so, you know, much less like first person on iOS. And my immediate thought was just to put two joysticks, you know, one bottom left corner, one bottom right corner, um, kind of virtual joysticks. But, but the way... Um, just sort of like trying to fit a controller on top of the screen, but the way GameCake approached it really made that control scheme feel natural. So for example, the left side of the screen, you can put your thumb anywhere and that's where the joystick is. Huh. And so the movement 
on the left side, that's much more kind of a traditional joystick. If you move your thumb further out, then it kicks into run. Uh, and there's like a little animation that shows as well. And then the right side is the, the camera. And there we don't use a joystick. It's actually more like a trackball. Okay. So you can kind of spin and there's this, this momentum. Um, but it feels really, feels really natural. So, oh, um, I see. Huh. Yeah. And then like when you change gravity, you know, uh, on PC, that's like, uh, I think it's right click or space bar. And then on, um, if you're using a controller, it's one of the shoulder buttons, right? So it's sort of something you can always press that button, even when there's nothing to change gravity on, but on iOS, the button only appears when it's available for you to change gravity. And then it also shows the color. So we've, as a result, we've, we no longer need the reticle on iOS. Um, because that on the PC version, the reticle also shows you like when you're within distance to pick up something, but mm -hmm. on, on iOS, we just have the object highlight and you just tap on it. Yeah. See this, so, yeah. this terrifies <clears throat> me and here's why I think soon we're all going to have to do this like between Stadia and Apple. And I, I see a world where mm. game pass game pass is on the console and PC now. And I think it's a matter of time before they move into like tablets. And I think, you know how now if you're in AAA or most. Most devs I know have to worry about controller plus mouse and keyboard. And you always yeah. have to plan for both. I think soon we're going to, all developers are going to have to plan for their UI, UX to be on touch devices as well as controllers, as well as mouse and keyboard. And I hate that. Just Yeah, the thing with uh, iOS devices, you also have to support controller on that. Yeah, but I mean, you uh, had you that. you can Bluetooth into it. Of course. You had that figured out, though, I hope, right? Yeah, but it, it, it's not like we can't just take the PC controller setup and put it in. We have to like tweak it a little bit for that. Um, but but yeah, it has been it's 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 challenging. Fortunately for TVOS, you can force players to use a controller, so you don't have to support the um, the Apple TV remote. Oh God, I didn't even think about that. Jesus, wow. Dude, I've got issues with controllers right now just because of uh, things I didn't consider as far as trademarks go. Whenever possible, I try to use generic art for Xbox, PS4, Switch, everything, um, and generic names for things. But the thing is, like, you're not allowed to do that. Like, you can't call the left thumbstick on the Stadia controller, the when you press it, you can't call that the, the left thumbstick button. You have to call it, like stick down and right. things like yeah like because there's all these trademarks and copyrights and shit and so i'm i'm in weird legal hell right now just dealing with this this is going to become gwen bitches for the next five minutes about shit like on it set me off because you said shoulder and i know for a fact shoulder is something you're allowed to say on some controllers but not on others because for some reason it's called like shoulder and trigger on some platforms and on some it's the um L1, L2, R1, yes. R2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for PS4 or yeah. PS, the DualShock controller, excuse me. Don't dare call it the PS4. We'll get suited. Fucking That's right. Back. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I've, uh, and the legal disclaimers, because I, so with Stadia, we support all of them, right? But we also support if at any time you unplug one controller and plug in another one, it has to update your UI and hot swap between them. And mm. not just that, if you like decide while playing, you want to set your key back, keyboard to Dvorak for some fucking reason, 
it's got to hot swap all the all the key bindings and everything and show you. So if you have like, say you have WASD on a normal keyboard, and you know on Dvorak that'd be like comma A O U. Uh, so the buttons that this is pretty cool. If you set your hotkeys to be WASD, Stadia will detect that and will like uh, change them. Will change the hotkeys so if somebody inputs comma okay so say on a normal keyboard you have wasi right yeah if you have a dvorak keyboard the w the as and the d are all like spread out right that'd be a pain in the ass so the platform automatically updates uh and to say if somebody hits a comma that's actually w which is awesome but what it doesn't do is tell your game ui like that's not WASD anymore. That's now comma A O U, and you got to figure that shit out, right? There's just stuff, right. stuff like that just keeps coming up, and in a way, I should be happy because it gives me something to do, so I'm not losing my mind. Because I'm like, I got the Switch, the PS4, and the Xbox going through cert, and if I, all I was doing was sitting here waiting, like I'd lose it. But fortunately, there's a never-ending pile of random stuff to do for this other new console that I'm coming out on, Stadia. Which is, to be fair, like, everything they're doing is really cool and it's hard to complain. And it's really fun being on a new console and a new storefront, you know what I mean? So, like, I can't, I can't complain, really. Like, some of this is growing pains with the new console. Some of it's just learning new stuff. And I really do like a lot of the stuff they're doing, but, like... And in a way, yeah, I really can't complain. I need the busy work. Like the the waiting is killing me. The waiting to launch. Do you feel that, or are you just still in it? Yeah, we're the there's. I think like three months ago, there were critical issues in the game that we couldn't ship with. So it was very clear, like, hey, this has to be finished, otherwise we can't ship. And it's not. That's not the case anymore. It's like, okay, so everything we're doing at this point is bonus, but yeah, we are not in control of the release date. Yeah. Um, I, for me, it's a step like once you've committed, there's the point where you have content lock where it's like my programmer, Elmore, is porting the platform. I am not allowed to change things unless it's critical because that you can't shake the jello. He's got to finish. He's trying to optimize. Like he can't be optimizing while I'm fussing with effects, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like there was a point where I had to just stop, but it was okay because there's enough critical stuff to keep me busy. And then there was a point where you committed to cert, and now we're in cert. Now I just sit. That's my life. As far as the other platforms go, so I just sit and I just right. lose my mind. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're not uh, we're not doing consoles. Although we were mm-hmm. originally we were planning on doing all the consoles and Apple Arcade and PC at the same time. Yeah. Does and Apple then, Arcade have any kind of cert process? They they do, but it's not it's not anywhere close to like the three the console, months. right? Which which I think is like three, four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> anyway, but okay. So it's but yeah, I'm glad I'm not doing consoles at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Much more difficult. Yeah, well I mean in a way what you're doing is it's not trivial to take your game add a completely new control scheme later on and then come out on honestly i feel like if you're doing one console the others are not as bad but if you're doing 
uh, Apple Arcade, you're talking multiple screen, like you, your game has to run at multiple resolutions. And I don't think people realize what that can do to your UI or anytime you have text. Also, I don't know if you're planning to come out on how many languages do you need for Apple? Uh, I think it's like 15 or 16. Uh, yeah, we, we've, we've already localized it to all that, but I think the hardest part was supporting right to left. So Arabic. Ooh. Uh, yeah, we had to, Text Mesh Pro doesn't support that, and, but, but fortunately somebody else like made a hack and then we had to use that and like make a bunch of changes. But yeah, we finally got it working. Jesus, left to right. I don't even know what that would mess up, but it would probably be everything. <laughs> That's interesting. Yep. Wow. I mean, it's cool that Apple's supporting that. And that I mean, I, I, it's been known Apple's forcing all their developers to support all these languages, so, um, which is cool. But yeah. yeah, for us, it's not too bad. I think like it's we only have a uh, text in the UI, mm-hmm. um, and I would say even probably a quarter of it is Apple specific text. You know, uh, save resolutions and all that stuff. Um, or, or like conf- save conflict resolution, but um, we are. Um, what was I saying? The yeah, I know some some games. I think like Jenny Leclue, which is like a point and click adventure. Um, yeah. I think they've got a much more challenging uh, workload ahead of them. Yeah, I think I've got six thousand, seven thousand one strings. So it's not super bad compared to like, I imagine Jenny the Clues. Prob- I, I don't know the length of that game, but we're looking at least six times that, I would guess, based on what I yeah. know about that game. But yeah, do you know how many strings of dialogue you have? I mean, you don't have dialogue. Yeah, you Ours just- is like 600. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay, that's not super bad. But to be fair, the hardest part isn't the number of strings. The hardest part is definitely the UI, right? Like uh, building that flexible UI. And I haven't yeah. had to do right to left, so mad respect for that, man. <laughs> Interesting. So what uh, what are some other gotchas that have been coming up for you? Uh, just the sheer number of, uh, of devices that we have to support. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't realize until last week that we had to support iPod Touch. Um, my, my initial reaction when we were told that there was a crash on the iPod Touch was um, you guys are still making those, <laughs> and it turns out there there is in fact a 2019 model, uh, and it, it's weird because it's not even the iPod isn't even a category on the Apple website. It's Apple oh, Music. I could totally see there being that um, too because you don't want to give your kid a fucking iPhone. Yeah, I think that's where that that's like who's using those. Uh, it's it's parents getting them for kids as like their first device. But um, yeah, nobody on the team had an iPod Touch. I had to go out that night to buy one. And basically what happened was we weren't, um, because we weren't accounting for it, it was just defaulting to like a higher preset uh, for the the visual effects. And that was causing it to run out of memory. I see. Um, But so it was a pretty easy fix, uh, but it was just an oversight on our part. All right, cool. Sweet. Let me think of what else. Yeah, we had, uh, I'm trying to think of what we had. We hit, um, I didn't want to say this publicly until I had fixed it, but we had a problem where if you undocked the switch, it was running at 20 frames per second. 
And I, my first cert, I actually just, cause we didn't even, I'm ashamed to say like we, we were moving a lot faster for Kine. Kine was a much shorter dev cycle, right? So we didn't really do any optimization at all. And then we ran out of time. And so we did, we figured we would do our first cert, pass cert on the switch and then do a, a day one patch that fixed the frame rate where we included our optimization. Fortunately, we don't even have to do that because we failed our first cert on the switch. <laughs> I mean, if I could do it again, I don't think, I don't know if I'd launch on all the platforms at the same time yet. I guess, you know, it's hard to say what I would do now. I have to see the result. Like I have to see if it results, if I think it'll result in more sales or not. Because I mean, there, there was definitely a bump because the, my YouTube video, sorry, the Nintendo YouTube video for kind came out right um mm -hmm. and there's definitely gonna be a bump when i do that on all the other platforms and there is something nice of like hopefully one of the platforms supports you and it is kind of cool to especially i think because i'm coming out in the epic game store i really wanted to give people other options because the epic game store is so controversial it feels good to be able to say hey look i know you wanted this on steam but because i was paid by epic it's also on the switch the xbox the ps4 at launch in all these languages. And to me, that was like, so the trade-off here is you can't, if you're buying it on PC and you're adamant on getting it on PC, you, you'll you have to get it here. Um, but the trade-off is that you can also have it in all these other places. And so for me, I think it was kind of important I do multi-platform for that reason. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if I would recommend it, especially for most games. I know Forest is really big on the idea of you launch first on PC, um, clean up all of your bugs, you know, get every, uh, get as much press as you can off of that and then do another massive second launch where you launch on all the consoles at the same time and that hopefully gets you a second round of press but it's hard to say if that actually works for everybody or not yeah i feel like the um the the sort of general sentiment on whether that's good or not kind of goes back and forth sometimes i hear that you know people saying you should come out on all and then sometimes people say it's staggered uh, I, I remember now what we were talking about before, which is, uh, or the thing that I wanted to say, which is like, uh, there's also a production overhead, you know, not just the technical aspect, but like, you know, releasing, having to coordinate between all of the different parties, the the release date, oh, um, yeah, no shit. Like getting approval, like from Sony, then Nintendo, then Microsoft, and Google, and Apple, and Epic. It's like, yeah, so you can say like. So my naive, dumb butt believed that if, you know, it's going to, I figured it'll take about two weeks of getting everything together for a storefront. Um, there'll be some overlap. It'll average about two weeks for each storefront. So I'll just do one and then the other and then the other. But it doesn't actually work like that, obviously, right? Because you have to do a storefront. You have to do them all at the same time. They all, none of them want to talk to you until you're about like six weeks from launch. And then they want all your stuff done at the exact same time if you're going to launch at the same time. So it's not like you can just do two weeks and then two weeks and then two weeks. It's more like all three of them require you for the same two weeks. Get your shit together. And that's brutal. Like it is, uh, it, it was harder than I anticipated coming out on those platforms at the same time, especially because there's so much learning. Just you have to, every single one of them is documentation and you have to go in and you have to read there's the technical stuff, the STRs and TRCs and all that, but there's also just the getting to know their back end and getting to know how do you upload a build for this store and how do they organize their stuff? Because 
you know, maybe they organize it by you have a content family and then you have within that a content and with the, like the game and the DLCs and then within that you have something else. Uh, it's hard to explain how complicated this stuff is. And no one thing is difficult, but in aggregate, when you add it all up, it just becomes like a lot of learning how to do a thing and then doing it. Uh, and it's just too much for one person to do <laughs> for for all the, the different consoles at the same time. Yeah, we brought on a, a producer uh, about three months ago, uh, and, and he's helped a lot. Um, I think when I first started the project, you know, six, six seven years ago, I remember thinking, what the what was the point of a producer? It's like I have Google Calendar, I can <laughs> I can make a schedule. Um, but yeah, it's it's really just having someone be on top of all of these little things and making sure that they're getting done on time. Um, well, I mean, you can't be your own producer. You can also be your own programmer. You can also be your own artist. You can be your own any of the roles. But what it comes down to is, do you? Is it that important to you that you are the one that sends all the emails and figures out right. all the bullshit for the back end? Probably not, right? Like, there's creative decisions that have to be made. Uh, after your computer crashed, I was just talking about this, but I feel like I'm, because it did just occur to me, I don't remember, I haven't done anything creative for months. And it, I think that's part of what sucks about the end of it, is you reach a point where it's literally just, I'm optimizing and I'm getting everything ready for launch and I'm setting up the storefronts. And I guess, I mean, how much creativity can you enjoy? Can you find in rearranging the same three key art shots 40 different times for the different scales of images you need for these storefronts, right? Like there's only so much joy you can derive from that and spreadsheets and everything. And I just, I don't like, have you hit that point yet where you're not making anything anymore? You've stopped making? We are still making a few things, but yeah, that I would say that's probably like 10, 15% of the work now. It does, it, it sort of feels like that's my second job, you know, actually working on the game. The, it, it's like my day job is all the administrative tasks. So, you know, five, six meetings a day and then looking at spreadsheets. And then it's like, okay, now after dinner in the evening, I have some time to to jump into the game and do some level design. You're still uh, level designing. Although not, it's not, we're not um, making, you know, entirely new levels. It's just sort of going back and refining um, a few areas that are really placeholder looking. So not, none of it is critical. It's just like, well, we, we have this extra time, let's treat it as bonus and refine the things that we've always wanted to. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Yeah. So when do you think you'll come out on consoles? Do you have a plan for um, that? Or? Well, we're starting to work on all of them uh, this coming week. Uh, so the, the PS4 version is, is pretty much ready to go. What was holding us back, uh, you know, I think back in April was just that the game wasn't finished. But we're like revisiting all those and, and getting, we want to make builds, uh, a PS4 build uh, and then send that off to the QA team just to see where we're at. I see. Are you? Have you put any thought into the PS5? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know um, what what that's going to be like. I, I mean, I imagine they're going to have backwards compatibility, and so it's like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I need to 
Yeah. You know, does that mean like any PS4 work, PS4 game will just work? I mean, there's different ideas behind this and there's different strategies. And I think I, the one I would agree with is if you are a, it's really, really good to be a launch title, but you're probably, they're probably not going to give you press if you've already come out somewhere else. So being a launch title on PS5 where you're not like their darling may not be worth it, especially considering there's going to be fewer PS5s initially. Whereas right. this is the time in the market when there will never be more PS4s than there are right now. And people who have PS4s and didn't get a PS5 for Christmas are going to want content. So, or their birthday or whatever thing, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a pretty strong argument for still releasing on PS4, especially if you're doing it like, I don't know if you're launching Q1, Q2 next year. Probably Q, yeah, we're aiming for Q1. We still have to um, wait and see. But uh, yeah, and I think, I think PS5 isn't expected to come out until like Q4, right? I don't know if they've said anything officially, and I don't, I don't no. have any friends at Sony, so I have no idea. But I would suspect, bef well, well before Christmas. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't make sense, right? Like it would. They're gonna wanna. I don't know. Yeah, probably Q4. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anything. I'm not. I'm not having those conversations. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> I think. Uh, I don't know. I've never been able to get good contacts at Sony. They're like a black hole in my, my what do you call it, network or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I should probably know more about what Xbox is doing. I assume they're coming out with something too. Like uh, xCloud has flown way under the radar. I never hear anything about it. Which is funny because like, you know I should care more. I am coming out on Stadia, right? They are technically competing. Uh. Oh, because of Game Pass? Well, I think of xCloud as being an, another alter, streaming alternative to Stadia, right? Right, right, like, yeah. I think of it as a kind of, it's a more of a gently dipping your toe in rather than a jumping into the water full on bore with Stadia. But uh, I, yeah, like, uh, I feel like I should probably know more about it. Yeah. What do you think of all the, I, I see these, these the, the discussion happening on Twitter right now, which is like the the Steam algorithm change, this most recent discovery update, kind of putting more focus on bigger titles and less on smaller titles, making it harder for smaller games to get wish lists. And it's like there's uh, the situation in France with being, you know, I haven't passed it, but it might be able to resell digital games and finally all the the streaming and subscription platforms. It's yeah. You know, the, the sky is falling, but then I, you talk to some people who've been in the industry for a while and they're like, yeah, the sky is always falling. Yeah, it's hard to say um, because I like haven't been in the industry forever. And I definitely was, when you're in AAA, your concerns are so different. And my concerns were so not business focused until about five years ago. So I don't have a, mm -hmm. a like well of experience as far as business stuff goes. I'll say <clears throat> from everybody I've spoken to, the France thing is just... Uh, way overblown Twitter drama that's not going to happen. That seems to be the general consensus is like um, lawyers are like, why are you worried about this? This is a thing that's about to get shot down. It's like a negotiation sort of a thing. So I think the France thing is out of nowhere. I think the Steam algorithm changes. I think Steam's in an interesting spot where I mean, Epic is so open with their development, right? Like you can go see a Trello board of what they're planning to do. 
Um, Steam kind of likes to do stuff and then surprise you. And there's advantages and disadvantages to both sides of that, right? To open, I mean, we're developers. So advantages yeah. to open dev um, and there's huge disadvantages to it. And it's hard to say which one's faster or slower. And it does suck that every time Steam tries to do something, uh, if they want to experiment, there's all these people are going to come forward and be like, you're experimenting with my livelihood. <laughs> so it's, you know, like it puts them in a really shitty spot, really, um, where they can't really experiment with their algorithm so much. And they are such an algorithm driven studio uh, running their storefront. I've got a lot of opinions about Steam. Yeah. But I'm not sure if the, the discovery thing is a, if, is that a zero sum game? Like if, if one game is getting more exposure, does that mean another game is getting less? No, and, and you can see Steam Labs was experimenting with a lot of stuff. Like I thought, I did dive in and, and played around a bit with their recommendation thing. Like you can, you put in a game and it recommends uh, six, a quadrant of six other games based on like, here's a game that's popular and, and here's what we find. Like it, it's a really deep um, exploration of finding similar games to the one that you just said. Yeah. I found that really cool. Um, I think a lot of the things they're doing in Steam Labs are, are cool. And I think it's smart that they silo that off so it doesn't freak out everybody. Because I'll tell you, when, as soon as the micro trailers thing made it into Steam, the very first thing I saw was Andy's going, oh my God, I need to recut my trailer so it looks good for the micro trailers. This is now a new optimization I have to make. Every time I make a trailer, I have to like figure out the algorithm for the micro trailer and make sure that the, that the micro trailer is gonna make it look good because now this is how people will buy games. And it's not wrong to say that, that's true. But it's definitely not Steam's intent, right? Like, right. So it, it is. It is difficult, and I'll say the, the micro trailers from the uh, Digibon guy, right? Yeah, Ichiro like, made that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cool to see how that. I remember it was just like a Twitter thing he did, and now it's he, he dropped official. it. On, you know, the very first one of these, I uh, was just he happened to be in chat while I was streaming one time, and he uh, called me on Google Hangouts. And then we just talked about Steam for a while. He works for Steam now. Oh, uh, wow, okay. He, like, he kind of moonlights. He works remotely from Boston. He's like, I have a kid, but I'll tell you what to do. But I'm not moving out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if he works part-time or temporarily or whatever. But yeah, um, that's why Microtrailers is on Steam is because he made that. I think that's... I actually really like that when people make things and then... Uh, like, when Sergey went to Epic... Right. That was when I called it. And I was like, Epic's going to do a storefront. But uh, I think that's smart. Hiring people that are really passionate about this, so passionate about it, they're making their own hobby projects. Like, and Ichiro's got ideas about Steam. I think we're, I think we differ in certain ways. I would like to get your opinion on this. One thing I've talked about with Ichiro at one point was if um, a, an idea that's been kicked around a bit is what if people could curate their own storefront. What if, you know how you have curators right now, Steam curators? What if somebody could make a web page that actually just links to Steam and has Steam keys and stuff, but they can change the colors, they can, you know, do whatever they want to do with HTML, they can set up their own storefront that looks like their stuff and recommend, decide which games they're going to put on it and recommend it. Um, I, I think a lot of people have thrown that around as a way to freshen up Steam's look. Steam looks old. That's part of this. Mm. Like, um, it doesn't look like a modern piece of software. But also, 
my argument would be if you're going to do that, you should give the people that are doing that, the curators, a cut of the sales out of Steam's cut. Um, I, the argument, Ichiro strongly disagrees. I, to, a, to a degree that baffles me, so I can't even like adequately say his arguments. I honestly don't understand his argument against it. But I, I feel like we live in a world of influencers and influencers deserve to be paid for influencing. Hmm. That's yeah. my opinion. I mean, I guess Epic is doing that, right? With the, uh, the creator program. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, I should know more about that, but it's something um, I think for the first year of their storefront, Epic was subsidizing it. But if a, a streamer a streamer can sell your game and get a cut out of um, initially it's gonna be Epic's cut of the storefront, which I think is good. What else has come out? We've, there's been news about control. I don't know if you've been following that. See, I've been following the Twitter drama about Epic way more than the stuff about Steam. Um, control. I mean, I really want to play Control. I've not heard anything other than the game seems to be great, and like a lot of people are having fun playing it. Yeah. Is uh, there controversy with Control? No, they're um, part of their. I don't want to say part of their contract leaked. What leaked was, well, they've mentioned in the past that their budget was about 30 to $40 million for the game. And it leaked that they've received before launch something in the realm of $10 million. Mm -hmm. So people are extrapolating from that roughly how much money they got from Epic. And there's wildly, wild speculation, uh, speculation about minimum guarantees, which in hindsight, we should probably not talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what what is interesting to me and i was having a conversation with a friend um because you know i've been following the the tv streaming services and, uh -huh. and you know now there's a lot coming out but it's like i think big bang netflix lost friends and office but they got seinfeld um which i'm guessing is probably something like 500 million uh because because big bang theory i think was acquired for 500 million and it made me think about how sitcoms and games age very differently right like it would be incomprehensible to me that any platform pays 500 million for like a six-year right to an old game um but well i mean it wouldn't be a game though it would have to be a franchise it'd have to be a franchise right and they probably like, own it well i mean i could see like we want all nintendo games for six years oh right yeah, I think that would be the that would have to be the equivalent, right? Right. Yeah. So could just I don't like based on hours of content and stuff. And so is five hundred million for all Nintendo games, right? I actually have no idea. For six years of all Nintendo games, what is that worth? Fuck, I have no idea. Um. Yeah, definitely the value of games drops off significantly after launch. Like I would bet, Untitled Goose Game is doing so well. I'm so happy. Oh, man. That game is a phenomenon. <laughs> that game, uh, you know what? I was going to go to the business of it, but it's just awesome. Like they nailed feeling uh, like a feeling like a goose. They just nailed it. I'm waddling around. Uh, I'm a little jerk, and I love it. <laughs> and they, yeah, and I love the the house house. I couldn't be happier for them because I remember I love their old, their last game, Push Me Pull You. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Dude, they just, they, I, I would argue that's really high production values for what it is. Like they nailed the aesthetic. They absolutely nailed what they were trying to do. Oh man, props to them. But you know, mm. like that game's $20 and you know, like it's going to be $10 next year. Like the half-life of video games is mm. so much shorter than film and TV. Then again, there's very few things that, I think TV is becoming more competitive though, right? Uh, you mean the streaming services or the content that's made? The content. Like, I can't think of anything that's that can hit the zeitgeist of Seinfeld ever again. I mean, all right, that's not true. Game of Thrones, I guess high quality content. The bar is just higher. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Did you want to talk? Uh, no, it's, it's funny though, though. I feel like with with the Goose Game, you know, I've been seeing a lot of. I always see like a lot of indie devs posting kind of these experiments on Twitter, you know, and they all have that similar flat shaded style where they're sort of messing with the physics, um, you know, kind of goofing around. But it's it's quite interesting that this is the first one that sort of really taken that to completion in a very like polished title um which is very neat yeah they definitely dug in and yeah. they definitely took it very seriously and they knew what they were about i mean I, like i'm trying to think of what led to this i guess you had that goat simulator game which was silly but it was silly in such a different way of like messing with physics it wasn't and you've had games where you play as an animal and it's supposed to be taken very seriously right um yeah but this is the first one where you got into the fiction of like, I want to be this jerk of a goose. You know, it's like the, I don't, with Goat Simulator, I didn't feel like you were, how do we put it? Like there was no player fantasy pursuit there. It's not like right. we want, the player desperately wants to be a goat. Here it's like, no, the player wants to be this goose and you want to make them love being this goose they're gonna be this goose. They're gonna they're gonna get to take that rake and they're gonna put it in the lake. That's what they're gonna do. Why? Because it rhymes and you're a goose. Yeah. Like, this is something about it. I like, I will say as a designer, I was talking about this in um, a Discord. I didn't like the having a task list to do. Mm -hmm. I felt like that. Uh, I feel like there's something similar to that that would have been better than just having a task list. I felt like I don't know if it felt cheap. How do I put it? there's nothing wrong with having quests. I feel like it would have been more fun if there was like a point system where it felt like rather than here's a list of things to do, if it felt like you were playing around and then you discovered here's a thing you can do okay. uh, and here's how many points you'll get for it and you knew you needed a certain number of points. But like say you went and you put anything in the lake. Anything you put in the lake gives you one, one point, right? Towards irritating the hell out of the farmer. But as soon as you put something in the lake, it would pop up and be like, rake in the lake, 10 points or something like that, you know, or oh, as soon as you see the keys, it would be like, you get like, you get ideas for things to do. I think that would have been more fun. I think having just quests right from the get go made it, uh, it um, I think it depends on who you are, but for me, it gave me too much direction. And if I have too much direction, I'll just follow the direction. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm just waxing philosophical on what's really a beautiful little gem. 
Yeah. So what are you what are you thinking of? Uh, you know, do you have plans after ship? Because your game's coming out on the seventeenth of October. Yeah, kind launches yeah. October seventeenth. Well, I mean, after that, I've got two ships, right? Like I got October seventeenth, and then I've got the unannounced date in November when Stadia launches. Right. Um, and there's probably going to be some amount of stuff for that. But after that, I don't know. I'm actually trying. I mean, I've got loose ideas of games I like. <laughs> uh, I've got loose ideas of the future, but a lot of it really just depends on how well kind does. So much so. You, you're you're already thinking about jumping into another project. Well, I mean, it, eventually. Like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> well, the alternative is sit around and be sad. Like, there's no. I make games. That's the end of that sentence. That's what I do. So like right. I, um, I mean, I'll take a vacation, you know, but eventually I'll, I, I'm going to make a game again and I don't know what it'll be or I, I don't even really know if, I mean, I'm pretty open to different ideas. I could go work on something else for a while, some other game or something. I could make something small. I could make something big. I'm definitely keeping a pretty open mind right now. Um, but I don't know. I make games, man. Yeah, I think it helps. This is this is still your first one, right? Yeah, you might have shipped a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, and I know what's coming, and it's I've never successfully rolled off of one project and onto another, and not had that kind of gloomy, shitty period. Um, and I'm trying to do that by just slowly daisy chaining them. Like there's, I'll mm -hmm. think about what I like and it's good to get excited about the next thing. It's good to, I think it's healthy and good to know that there is a life after this launches, no matter what happens and to have a series of plans and a series of ideas of things to pursue. Um, I think the worst case scenario is to put everything into it, launch the game, put your own personal worth into the, the game you're making right now with absolutely no plan of what ne to do next and um, just hit that wall. Right. I've, you know, done that. <laughs> eh, it sucks. Uh, I, and I personally don't, I have difficulty enjoying a vacation if uh, I don't know what I'm coming back to after the vacation. Or if I just feel like there's absolutely no plan at all. If I feel like I've got ideas, then I can go out and I can have fun. But if I, and I can trust in like, I've figured it out before, I'll figure it out again. But if I have no idea, I can't relax. Like it's impossible. So it's kind of necessary. I'd show you. Uh, I usually make lists when I have no idea what to do in my life. I just <laughs> start listing things on paper. So like lists of games I like, lists of things that I think are good. A uh, list of what's most important to me, financial versus commercial success, and to how, what degree, and what I want to do for the next couple of years, you know, where it fits into my life. How big, like, do I want to, I think a big thing to figure out if you're indie is, which I figured out pretty much immediately, is do you want to be a person, are you making a game to, is your focus to build a studio or to make a specific game? Like, are you building a studio to make a game? Or are you going to build a studio and then make the game that makes sense for that studio? And, right. I, and I think personally, I always want to, well, 
I mean, this could change over time, but like right now, my biggest goal is to like figure out what I want to make next and then figure out how to make that versus the other way around. Whereas oh, very frequently, it's actually the opposite. It's people who are like, I have my friends and my friends and I are going to go make a game. And that's that kind of sets you up to for a very different production cycle. Um, that completely changes your pre-pro and it changes a lot of things when you have that perspective. Or say if you're somebody who... Um, you might have a, a different goal to grow a studio because like it could be monetary it could be like you feel that a market sector is very important i don't see this ever in the indie space it's more common in AAA. but another way to grow a studio especially if you're going after venture capital and you're more business focused is to aim for i think the future is ar and i want to build a studio that makes ar games so that in the you know couple year couple years from now i will be established and i will be after series B, I'll be purchased by Google. Like that's a that's a way you can go. That's really not my style, but like I know lots of people that do that, and I respect the hell out of them. Um, but I don't know. Just figure out what you're about. Or is this stressing you out, William? No, no, no. I'm actually thinking about that as well, but um, I'm thinking more. You know, I think I think with Man for Gordon, it was very much like, hey, this is just a game I want to make. Let's figure out how to do it. And I think for the next project, if I do do one, I, I'm more interested in thinking about how I want to make a game and then the game is secondary. So it's almost that like studio first approach. Oh, there's, um, there's definitely some amount of who do I want to be, right? Yeah. So figuring out what you... Especially because this this was your first game, you did some amount of all of it. So, what parts really sit down and think about? What parts did you enjoy the most, and when were you happiest? And maybe when were you not the happiest in the moment, but what are you most proud of? <laughs> and maybe you know. Well, the, the one thing I learned is I'm happiest when I'm working with other people. Hmm. That 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 is so much. You know, I think the first three years I was I was alone, and that was hard. Um, yeah. And the game is almost oh, oh, definitely way better thanks to the contrib contributions from others. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had a really hard time trusting people at first. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that, especially because it was your baby for three years. But there's so much more freedom and collaboration, and uh, just two heads are better than one, especially. And you have the benefit of being the one in charge of the project too, which right. kind of matters for some of those things. Um, so it wasn't strictly collab. I mean, there's collaboration, obviously, but it was also you know you were in charge. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you want to do next? Um, yeah. So first, I'm gonna. Fortunately, I think with with the console launch and then the Steam launch a year from now, I will be pretty busy for the next twelve months, or at least the twelve months after ship. Um, you know, just in sort of like the day to day business, it won't it won't be an obsession uh, like I think it was a few years ago. Um, uh, have you been like I don't know how badly you've been crunching. And, Actually, and... Not, that, not that bad. I mean, I, I think the like the second, third year of development was the worst because at that point I still thought I was going to finish the game in two months. So I kept treating it like a sprint. Mm. Whereas like after that, I realized it was a marathon and I just needed to enjoy the process um, and sort of think longer term. And once I started doing that, then, then it got a lot better. But uh, 
I just mean more. I think after a ship, uh, we'll we'll settle down into more of a more of a more of a regular routine,、mm-hmm. as opposed to right now we're constantly reacting to, you know, requirements from Apple or or whatever.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, especially, and I mean, working with other people is fun. It it can be really fulfilling. It can bring a lot of、um, a lot more creativity to your project, but it can also It means you have responsibilities. It means you have it, other pe-、uh, you. Your schedule is not your own anymore. You know what I mean.、Uh, you're you could be blocking people, whereas when you work alone, you're not. You know,、um, it's I, that's actually a good question. I'm not sure which one I prefer more. I like both quite a bit. I really do like working with other people, but I really also like deciding to go for a walk at 11 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> and.、Um... Yeah. One of the challenges for me, you know, especially when we scaled up to thirty-five, was we didn't grow organically, so there was no hierarchy,、uh, which meant like a lot of people were still reporting to me, and I ended up being the bottleneck.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so we bring on a three D artist to help us do some stuff, but there's no, we don't have like an art lead, so they're coming to me with like kind of these、uh, like feedback on on tiny details, but then you also. Meeting with the marketing team on like how we want to approach that and, and the programming team, so it, it that that was part. I, I would want to rethink how to approach that next time. Well, I mean, I can tell you what I did that I prefer because,、um, like, when I hired Surface Digital, I did、uh, part of that is it comes with a one point of contact. I don't know. I guess part of it is I was just like, look, I only have so much time.、Right. I'm going to be at GDC. I need you to direct the team. Here's what I need you to do: loop me in at different times. And so I kind of, because I was hiring a team of people that were used to working together, and where one of them was their lead,、um, yep. that made it way easier in that respect.、Um, I might have lucked out in that way. This is another reason why I did that whole rant, where I'm like, it's better to hire a contract house than to hire individual contractors. Mm-hmm. For so many reasons, in my opinion,、um, I really, really do believe that would make the industry more stable. But I want soapbox for no reason. Yeah, we certainly learned that with localization. The first time we did it, I think like two years ago, it was all individual translators for every language. I think we only did like seven at that point, and and it just there wasn't a whole lot to translate. But the administrative work involved—it's like seven invoices, seven credits. Yeah. Seven different timelines, whereas now we just work with one company to handle all of that. Yeah, yeah, I work with one company. That would suck. <laughs> oh man. So when, what is your? Do you have plans for what comes next? Uh, yeah. So we'll, you know, the twelve months we got kind of support different platforms. I'm definitely, I'd like to take a vacation at some point since I haven't done that. Um, I'm looking to go start going to conferences again, so I'll definitely go to GDC、uh, in March. And I want to go to there, there's one called DevGam in in Russia、uh, in May, and I want to go to that for a bit. But mostly because in previous years when I've been to conferences and GDC, people are always like, "When's your game gonna ship?" It still hasn't shipped, and I want to finally be like. <laughs> I shipped it. <laughs> you should. You should do a victory lap around the world. You should talk at conferences about it and stuff. It should, you know, like you should soak in that victory. I'm,、yeah. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. 
That's what I would do if I was you. Because <laughs> this is a massive undertaking that you've just finished. Well, you're going to finish. Um, yeah, I don't know about that one. You know, I've always wanted to go to a conference in South America. Just want a reason to go. Are there any? I mean, there's a big one in Brazil. Okay. Um, is that the Brazil Indie Game Festival? Yeah, big. Big, yeah. Uh, that's why I called it a big one. I don't actually know if it's big, but it's called Big, B-I-G. So I figure, eh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it'd be fun. We're in the same hemisphere and I've never been there. And I've actually been to, because I've gone to Gamescom a couple of times, well, twice. And I went to console once. So I feel like I've done Europe several times. I've never been to South America. And I feel like we should, there should, it's a chicken and the egg. It's like, I want to go, but I would need there to be a reason to go. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm going to look into it. I'm going to look into big. I translate kind of Portuguese just to have an excuse to go to big. <laughs> well, I think we can end it here. It was great chatting with you, man. Yeah, likewise. Uh, all the best with the uh, the upcoming release. Hopefully we'll have a date soon. Hey, take your time with it. Uh, this has been Gwen Frey and William Cheer, and you've been in the Dialogue Box.